welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Uh, Leland, this is another interesting week of high school football. You and I were at different games. Um, I'll start off, I guess, talking about uh, Rustburg and Stewart's draft. This was a game that, um, man, honestly, Rustburg is legit. I am interested to see what happens to Rustburg when they have to face somebody like a TA or a Heritage, Brookville, somebody like that. Those are in Heritage and Brookville, LCA. Those are teams they'll see later yeah, in the regular season. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But they've got they've got some weapons in the Rosser brothers, and both of those are dynamic backs. The quarterback, Michael Knight, uh, did an effective job of getting the ball out quickly, I thought. And uh, it, it just became kind of a problem for the Stewart's draft defense. The Stewart's draft offense was kind of confirming some fears that it's maybe a bit one dimensional. Um, the, the passing game just isn't there for them. And that's going to be an issue as the season rolls on, I think, because I just, especially against Rustburg. And I think eventually when they play other teams that have capable defenses, they're just going to dare Stewart's draft to throw the ball. And it seems like even when you dare Stewart's draft to throw the ball, they're pretty intent on running. Um, and, and this was a game that just kind of got out of hand early, stayed out of hand. Uh, I, Stewart's draft fell behind 8 nothing because Rustburg on their first drive goes right down the field, scores touchdown. Stewart's draft gets a big play, ties it up uh, with a Baylor-Graber run, big run for a touchdown. They don't get the two-point conversion, but then they do an onside kick, get it three and out after they get the onside kick. And after that, it was kind of ball game. Uh, Stewart's draft just really couldn't piece anything together on offense and defensively. They were just getting manhandled. I, I don't, I didn't leave the game thinking Stewart's draft defense isn't as good uh, or like having question marks about Stewart's draft's defense. I think just Rustburg is just a tough matchup for them. And I don't think they're going to have to face somebody like Rustburg again the rest of the season. So I'm not terribly worried about that. I think their defense is going to be very effective the rest of the way. Um, it was just a situation where this week, Rustburg was a little too much for Stewart's draft's defense and their offense, which is probably going to have its challenges as the season rolls along, um, continued to have challenges against a really good Rustburg defense. It's an interesting a week after Stewart's draft scored like the most points in school history. They give up, uh, you know, some of the most points they've given up in school history. Riverheads put 51 on them back in 2018. Appomattox, one of those state championships, put up 48. Um, but that's a defense, that's a program, you know, as we know it, you know, those years are within Nathan Floyd and, and familiar to what they're doing now. Um, it's not often that they give up that many points. So, yeah, I mean, that that definitely goes to the hand that Restberg is good. I I agree with you. I, I definitely want to see how they um, stack up in district to those other, you know, teams that we give so much credit to for good reason uh, in Heritage and all them. Uh, they have Brookville uh, next week. So that's, you know, measuring stick number one, Liberty Christian on 10-6, Heritage the week after that. So, you know, they have a tough schedule. Like, you would be surprised if they make it through undefeated, but like probably not lose all those big games uh, from what you're saying. Um, if, if they're, if they're legit. Yeah, I would think, I don't, I don't think we're going to see Rustburg lose to all those teams. I think they'll beat somebody. Um, 
for the Cougars, they've got LeRae coming up. Uh, that'll be an interesting game because LeRae has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde this year as well. Um, that should be an interesting game, and that that might be where we go. So if it's Stewart's draft, LeRae, we'll see how that game goes. And um, ugh, I don't know. I, I just I know Stewart's draft's defense is going to do well. I, I just need to see more out of the offense next week if the Cougars are going to win. So the game I was at was up at Riverheads where they hosted Fort Defiance, kick off the Shenandoah district season. And, uh, you know, Fort Defiance, I've noticed in these last couple of years when they played Riverheads, they've, they've come prepared. I'm not going to say they've been in any, in any of those games. I'm not going to try to make it, you know, rewrite history and say that, but they kind of had some better looks um, to their play in games against Riverheads, even though they got beat down. This year, they kind of stuck around. Now, defensively, especially in the first half, they couldn't stop Riverheads. They just completely marched right down the field. But at the same time, offensively, they were doing what that it took against Riverheads to stay one score behind and also score on all their full offensive possessions. The reason there was a you know a two-touchdown lead for Riverheads is another special team's mistake for Fort Defiance. It wasn't a kickoff return this time. It was a fumble when they should have received the kickoff. The, the, the Riverheads kicked it, tried to kick it short like normal, where they kick it like 15, 20 yards down the field. Well, it wasn't even going that far. And the front guy just comes up and like tries to field it ahead of the 10 yards. And just it goes off of him and goes right back to Riverhead. So it was just a big mistake. Riverheads takes advantage, marches right down the field. So, you know, what I take away is Riverheads offensive, offensively has looked better these last two games. That's good. The first two games, their defense looked real good. Didn't look as good here. The, the throwing really hurt them. And, and that's because of the good thing for Fort is Trey Miller and um, uh, Taylor Armstrong have a heck of a connection. Uh, it was it was very visible. All seven of uh, Trey Miller's completed passes were to Taylor Armstrong. I think he only attempted one pass not to Taylor Armstrong. And, uh, you know, it was just a really impressive connection. You could see that all night. It was especially on third downs in the first half. And then the touchdown passes, uh, the two touchdown passes were both to him. So, um, you know, it was all three touchdown passes on the season for Fort Defiance has been between those two. So, you know, I think each team had things to pull positive. And I know Riverheads had stuff they need, they, they're going to look at and need to work on um, because the combination of Trey Miller's running and, and then being able to pass to Armstrong really, really worked well for them. Um, so Riverheads felt like the better team throughout the game. I never, there was never a moment where I was like, Oh, Fort's about to win this thing, but they, they, they felt stronger, but like just credit to Fort Defiance staying in that game and staying in it later than, than most expected. And, you know, a 60 yard touchdown kind of made it feel like that separation was more real, but it was still only a two score game. It just, it felt a touch more than that, but it, it was only that. And, you know, one play goes different Fort's right in the middle of that ball game. So, um, you know, I, 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 after Fort Defiance looked really bad the week before, I, I watched that video against Allegheny, and I just completely gave up hope for Fort Defiance. I, I, if they game plan as well as they did for this game, and Trey Miller and Armstrong have that connection that they did in this game, I, I think it's something. You know, they're going to beat Waynesboro. Who else do they beat? I, I don't know, but you know, they're not going to go winless, as is what I thought. If they, if they can play like that. If you can be two scores behind Riverheads, because I still think Riverheads is probably the best team in the district, I think they'll be challenged, but I do think they're the best team in the district. I I think Fort Defiance is going to win a 
at least one, maybe a couple games. I don't think we're going to approve, approve on the three win total, but I do think, I think they got Broadway on the schedule. I, I'd, I'd say they'd have a shot at that game too. So that's the next know, one. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's what I'm kind of thinking about that. Uh, yeah. They got Broadway next week. Who's two and one. I I'm not, I'm that impressed on who Broadway has beat. Um, so I really think Fort at zero and three has a shot there. Riverheads is on a buy. You know, the whole story there is, does a bye week get Kane Cook cash back? And, uh, you know, offensively, I think, especially in this game, you could you could see some moments where just the way Kane Cook cash breaks a tackle and just gets to the open spot or has that cutback, they were just missing those spots. Now, not that they didn't score, you know, 28 points and win this game by two scores. It still seemed like there was something missing, and I know they could use them defensively too. So that was the game I was at, and – you know, your thoughts from seeing the scores come in, I assume is, wow, Fort's still in this. Um, I think it read a little differently uh, while you were there, while someone was there, but still it, it is a fact. They were in that game in the second half and that credit to them. Yeah. I mean, uh, as we were getting score updates from you and, you know, seeing them within two scores or one score, in the one score half, at, yeah. at one point in the second half. Yeah. I kind of did come away with, well, this is good. If nothing else, this is good for Fort because after watching T.A. come in and smack him around a bit and Allegheny smack him around, like you did get worried that this was going to be another smack around game. And then that's three straight heavy defeats going into maybe one of your winnable games on this on the schedule and how much confidence is going to be in that Fort team. I I do think being in that Riverheads game probably does build some confidence. Um, and, And, you know, we talk about this some on Friday nights and I've talked about it with some people off of the podcast and you have talked to other people than me. There are moments where I do wonder, especially local, especially locally when teams step on the field with riverheads, if, if the game is almost decided, not just because riverheads is so good, but because mentally those teams come in and go, Oh man, we're facing riverheads. Like we don't have a shot. And it does seem like Fort, at least, is it doesn't have that case. Fort usually has somewhat of a game plan and can, at least for a while, keep Riverheads within striking distance. And this one ends up being a two-score game, which is great for Fort, in my opinion. Um, but yeah. that question is going to... I, I think I'm really interested to see what happens when Riverheads plays Wilson, when Riverheads plays Draft. Um, yeah. if Stanton's defense, and we'll talk about them in a minute, does what they did this week, what happens when they play Stanton? Because yeah. these are teams that, for a while, haven't really been in Riverheads games. They've been blowouts. Um, I know drafts had some close ones, you know, if we're talking like three, four years, I think. But We're talking three or four years, drafts the only team we're really talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the past two years have been, uh-oh. Um, if, if memory is serving, (laughs) even, even in the draft games, but so I I am curious to see what happens when, when those teams step on the field with Riverheads this year and maybe seeing Riverheads lose a game early on, uh, kind of gives people hope and, oh, maybe it's the mental thing of, oh, well, they're in class two now. Although I don't know, logically, I don't know how that would solve any problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I do want to see what happens when those teams play Riverheads because it does seem like this year, more than not, and this kind of plays into that a little bit, that Riverheads is not, and I'm not saying this means Riverheads is bad. It's not saying Riverheads can't win the Shenandoah District, run the table in the Shenandoah District. Um, 
but it's not the same level of dominance in the Shenandoah district that we have seen from Riverheads in the past. I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. Caden Cook cash injury, obviously being one of them. Um, but I think when they play Wilson, when they play draft, when they play Stanton, yeah. I, I want to see if those teams can not have the mental hurdle of stepping on the field and kind of just being like, Oh man, this is Riverheads. Like, we can't make any yeah. mistakes or we're going to lose this game because I do think yeah. while you want to minimize the mistakes, I do think unlike past seasons where I would say you can't make any mistakes if you want to beat the Riverheads team, this does feel like a Riverheads team where you can maybe make one or two turnovers and still survive the game and maybe come away with a win. If you do everything else right and yeah. can force some turnovers on the other side. Yeah. I, the, you know, I don't, I don't want to bury on Fort defiance at all. At one point, I, th- I think they got nervous of, of where they were in this game that they, were kind of close and they they've been running under center all night and then all of a sudden they went to a shotgun formation and it was just a quick three and out and i think two bad snaps it was just that's the kind of thing you got to avoid when you're in one of these games keep doing what's getting you there you know and you don't have to overcome two scores in one play like just keep 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 staying at it and i've seen other teams do that and then usually it it explodes it did not explode for fort fines but that was an example of just don't don't make that shift. Don't 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 undo what's working just to I don't know, just so like it's not it, it was too early for desperation at that point. So um all right, Joe. So what surprised you from Friday night? You you were at a game, um, but you heard all the other scores. What surprised you from Friday night? Um what surprised me, I guess, and, and I think it's the same one you have, so I'm I'm just going to yeah. piggyback off that, yeah. is Stanton was absolutely in the ballgame against Central and I think had chances to win it, um, which I know if you were listening to the podcast, I told you, yeah, if this defense plays well, you know, they could keep a minute, and, you know, who knows if the offense – that's kind of me being positive a little bit. I don't know if I would have said Stanton loses that game only by one score. I, I just, if you, if you had given me true serum, I don't know if that's what would have come out of my mouth. Um, but like, I, I do think this kind of puts to rest any fears about the Stanton defense this season. It's not just yeah. the secondary this year. It's up front as well. They play a good game. I think that's yeah. going to spell great things when they get into district play with some other teams that in the past have been matchup problems for them. I don't think that's going to be a matchup problem now. So I think that's good news for Stanton. I They're going to have the same problem that other teams in this district have this year. It's offense. The offense didn't yeah. click this week. Now, some of that is you're playing a very good central defense. But still, if your defense only gives up 14 points, you'd like to think you're going to win that game. I mean, they're both their losses are 15. They gave it 15 points in a loss and 14 points in a loss. I mean, you got to keep doing that. I mean, you tell your defense to keep doing it, and 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 they got to keep working on that offense. Um, but yeah, that's Stanton defense all night. That's what I was saying. Stanton defense is playing. Stanton defense is playing. Keep them in the game. They got down 14 nothing. Their quarterback ran for a long play to um, you know get it within one score, but you know they needed a defensive score is basically yeah. what they needed to do and you know central's good enough probably not to give that up you know they probably weren't chucking the ball around i saw where coach yo after the game was talking about how they need to you know be better in their passing game to be as successful as they want to be this season i think at some point in that game they probably you know kept <laughs> they saw jeff Raw back there and wanted to make sure he didn't you know lose win that game for Stanton. 
So, um, yeah, I, I was very impressed with Stanton D, very impri- uh, happy to see it, uh, and surprised, honestly. I, I thought Central could, you know, get in the 20s and, and just be far enough away, and that defense kept them in the game, so that was great. Um, where was something this weekend that you saw coming? Like, where, where was something you said last week, maybe on the podcast or even on Friday night on the pregame show? What was something that happened this week that you, you did see coming? Uh, Clark County looks really good. Uh, I didn't think Buffalo Gap would be able to hang with Clark County for very long, and I thought that would be a tough game for him, and it was. Clark County ends up winning that one 40-7. And it, again, kind of like we touched on with other teams, offensively I have my concerns with Buffalo Gap this season. And unlike you know a draft or a Wilson or a Stanton, I have my concerns on the defensive side of the ball as well with Buffalo Gap this year. It's It's been a defense that has struggled. Um and I think this is, we touched on this at the beginning of the year, and I, I don't want to keep banging on it because I want to be positive, but I think this is just a growing year for Buffalo Gap. They're going to have, they're going to have a lot of young guys that just need to stay healthy, need to get valuable time on the field and, and kind of learn a little bit this season because I mean, even their next game against East Rock, I, I just don't know how that one's going to go well uh, for Buffalo Gap, given what we've seen. And we'll talk to Cody Elliott here in a minute and get his opinion on East Rock, but Buffalo Gap is kind of has their work cut out, even though they're in one B. Um, man, I again, we'll see when the seeding comes out. Uh, what is that? Week seven, week eight, something like that. The first power ratings oh, come out. Five. I thought it was earlier than that. Okay. Yeah, well, whenever the first power yeah. ratings come out, we'll see where Buffalo Gap stacks up. But they're gonna, even if they get in that one B playoff, I think they're gonna be kind of hard pressed just based on what we've seen so far from this team and and not seeing enough to to make me think they can get into that region championship. Yeah. Um, I agree with most of the things there. Um, the thing that I saw come in, and I th- I think I said it pretty loudly on the podcast and on Friday night, you know, I thought Wilson was gonna be in that game with Spotswood. I thought they had a chance to win it. They did. I thought they were no matter what gonna be in the game, they lost by one. So I felt right about that. I th- thought the 26 to nothing with TA I thought more said more about TA than I thought it did Wilson I didn't think it fairly represent like Wilson doesn't feel like a team that's getting shut out by people unless they're really great maybe TA is really great you know I just felt I think more of Wilson than that now we do look at this they played two games and all all they really are three games and all they beat is Charlottesville who's not good so it's gonna start to be prove it time for them but I just had faith that they were better than what we saw in a in a shutout loss so I was glad to see them in that game with Spotswood they were leading in the third quarter um they had an opportunity with the field goal that they couldn't convert um to take a lead and then Spotswood got the ball back and never gave it back to them so you know credit to Spotswood solid team great you know solid team and that's the kind of level that Wilson's need needs to overcome in the postseason if they want to win any playoff games and need to be a, a mid-range playoff team for that to happen too but uh you know I, I liked I liked seeing that out of Wilson there's no reason to take that game and say well Wilson can't reverse that outcome the next time they face a team like that. Uh, so I, I was encouraged by that. Um, what are you, uh, the, the only other games was Waynesboro Broadway, Broadway one. Um, uh, what are you looking forward to Joe coming up? I'm looking for forward to a bounce back game. I won't steal yours. I'm looking forward to that bounce back game for Wilson. They play Western Auburn tomorrow. I imagine that's going to be yeah. a lot like the Charlottesville kind of game for them where they just kind of cruise to a victory and, don't have to aren't sweating that one too much over in Crozet. Uh, I just think, um, yeah, I, I do have concerns with the loss to Spotswood because I think this, you know, barring a running of the table in the Shenandoah district, which 
Um, we'll see when it gets, when the game gets there, I'm not sure that's going to happen for anyone in the Shenandoah district, but, um, I, I do worry that that's what it would take for Wilson to kind of be in that middle of the pack in three C. Uh, and I, I j- this loss to spots would kind of just hurts them in terms of seeding. And so I, I kind of feel like this yeah. is definitely a playoff team, but it's going to be a playoff team that has to go down to Lynchburg and that typically doesn't go well. I, you know, I haven't given up on them being the second best Shenandoah district team. Um, I don't think the rest I think of the, the second best district, Shenandoah district team. What's going to hurt Wilson with the power points and you get yeah. points for the other team's wins. That's what's hurting them. I think earlier in the season, I thought Wilson is the second best Shenandoah district team. If you're that, you're going to be a pretty, you're going to be a nice enough seed in three C. But the way these first three weeks have gone, especially week one and week three, where only one team from the Shenandoah district wins, you know, it's, it's tough. So, uh, well, that's we'll my point. That. that was my point. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think, I yeah. think second place in the Shenandoah district is still a bottom seed and yeah, three seed. You're, you're going a, to Lynchburg and it's going to hope for a six. Hope like if you're lucky, if you're lucky, TA is one of the top teams and your trip is to Bridgewater instead of Lynchburg. Cause it's a lot shorter of a drive and uh, it's I'm not, not going to, but in terms of the scoreboard, <laughs> In terms of the scoreboard, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to end any better. I just I think, think it's a shorter of a drive for for that game to end that way. Um, but but you're talking about week three. You're talking about week three, and this kind of goes. And again, I, I'm trying to be more positive, but I, I did say at the beginning of the year. I said it at the end of the year last year. I said it at the beginning of the year this year on our tailgate show. I just think this is going to be down year for the Shenandoah District as a whole. Um, I didn't expect to see kind of the gap closed between Riverheads and everybody else as much as it has as in addition to that. But I, the one win for the Shenandoah district was Shenandoah district teams playing each other. Nobody won outside the district. And and I think when we, when you look back at what this re- district's record is against non-district teams, it's going to be not very good. Nope. It isn't. Uh, what I'm looking forward to is Stanton getting one of those non-district wins. They're going to knock off an undefeated this week. That's, that's my call. Uh, they're going to play James River, who's 3-0. and James River has beat uh, on this season Buffalo Gap by one, who we already talked about is in a spot where they're rebuilding. Randolph Henry, who is not historically great, and Perry McClure, who I don't have a lot of faith in either. So I think the win is coming for Stanton. I think this is going to be a feel-good win right there. Um, get back to two and two and knock off an undefeated. So I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, the other games, Stewart's draft plays LeRae. We mentioned that Fort Defiance uh, travels to Broadway, uh, Buffalo gap travels to East rock and Waynesboro travels to TA. A uh, lot of games that could not go the Shenandoah district's way right there. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's get to Cody. We've ran through most of our high school football talk for the evening, but uh, we do want to bring in Cody Elliott to talk about the Valley District, which, uh, you know, Wilson has now had two games against the Valley District. Uh, We know um, a gap next week has East Rock and Cody. uh, You were at the East Rock game getting played Monday night. Uh, What what do the uh, gappers out there in Swope uh, have to worry about there with the Eagles? Well, you know, I'll tell you tonight they they looked extremely um extremely good all around. I mean, uh, to, now to to say the least, I mean they were playing a, a Page County team that was very shorthanded. Um, Page had some some COVID issues I think last week and and some injuries tonight. I mean, they're one of their best players tonight on the offensive line suffered an injury early. 
Um, so that's a, that's a weak Page County team, but at the same time, I mean, that was as sharp as I've seen them look East Rock um, in a while, and especially on both sides of the ball. I think when you think of East Rock football, I mean, you think of the offense, and I mean, tonight, uh, uh, 35 nothing. where they were on the one-yard line when the game ended, and they could have made it 42, and, um, but the defense supposed to shut out. I mean, I was just really impressed all around with, with, with the whole team, really, from, on both sides of the ball. I think they're explosive still offensively, but the defense tonight was really physical, and, and I thought just looked really good from the start. One thing from the past with East Rock, I always respected that they were pretty multidimensional. They didn't just stick to the run. They didn't just, you know, go completely pass happy, usually on, their, on those better years. Um, you know, what's the balance look like offensively for that team? Yeah, so that was exactly what I was talking to um, Drew Spencer, their head coach, about after the game was just, you know, how they kind of had a mix of that tonight. I mean, they had a, two guys combined for 130 yards rushing. And then um, what was interesting was that in the passing game, um, you know, we've seen Parker Seavers start the season. Um, and, he, and he's been their, their starting quarterback, and he's played really well to start the year. Um, kind of an unknown coming in, and everybody, you know, was really surprised to see him at the, at the quarterback spot. Um, and then he starts off tonight three for three, 79 yards and a touchdown. Um, I mean, he's just absolutely cruising. And then he suffers a shoulder injury. Um, and he, he goes out. And so then naturally, um, you know, most teams, you kind of suffer that drop off when you have a backup for East Rock. They have Jakari Eats, who is, you know, a three-year starter, um, was, was previously at the position and this year moved to receiver and defensive back. Um, so he comes in tonight. He goes three for eight, um, around 80 yards passing and throws uh, two more scores. Um, so that's what's that's what's kind of interesting is, is now they're going back to Jakari even more than likely. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure Parker's diagnosis, but he was in a sling by the time the game ended tonight. So, you know, I would imagine he's going to be out for a little bit of time at least. Um, but those guys don't have, you know, they don't lack confidence in Jakari Eves, and he came in there tonight and played pretty well. And, you know, I think that's that's we're going to see a lot of that, you know, spread it out. Um, you know, they're going to get the ball in the, in the hands of their playmakers, and, and they've got some guys who have a ton, a ton of speed. And um, it gave Page County fits tonight. And, you know, I think for a team like Gap, I think that's probably – that would probably be their biggest concern as well. With – TA and everything they're bringing to the Valley District. I mean, I, I know it's still early. They haven't started district play yet, I don't think, over in the Valley District. Um, who is the biggest challenger to TA, and does anybody really have a realistic shot, in your opinion, of being able to stop TA from winning the Valley District? Well, I mean, <laughs> as you guys know, as you guys saw in week two, I mean, that TA team is the real deal this year. Um, it's certainly not the TA teams, even of the past two seasons that have won the Valley District. This is a much better, much deeper, much bigger. Uh, I mean, everything about them is better. Um, with that being said, if I did have to pick somebody, I, you know, I think I'd go with Spotswood. Um, you know, if you, if you go by, you know, similar opponents, obviously Spotswood barely, you know, gets by Wilson last week. So that certainly doesn't look good. But I do think that Spotswood team, you know, tends to play TA better um, than uh, any other school up this way. Um, and and they've, they've got a lot of experience. They've got 22 seniors on that roster. Um, and, and they've got a good running back in Parker Constable. I mean, it's one of those classic Spotswood teams where they're, they're really well balanced. They can throw it with their quarterback, but they also have a really good run game. Um, I think defensively, as long as they can stay in check, um, you know, I think I would give them the best shot. Um, but slowing down that turnaround for the offense, I mean, it, it's easier said than done. I mean, you know, they scored 50 plus last week. I think against Wilson, you know, it's 26 nothing. But I think I think we would all agree that they probably could have scored a lot more. There was a lot of a lot of points left on the field that night. So, um, if I had to pick somebody, I'd say Spotswood. But I think, you know, the way TA's played early, um, I think they've been the best football team in the valley, and I don't I don't think it's been particularly close so far. <laughs> 
How about some of those pieces for TA? I think last week we kind of blew past him talking about the Wilson game and, and, and for our listeners probably focus more on the Wilson side. I was just so impressed with, with those weapons that, that TA has, uh, especially on third down when they can just uh, throw it outside every single time. Now, what are they seven for eight on third down conversions Something at like one that. point in that game? Just incredible. I mean, they got weapons on the outside and then the quarterback throwing it to him. He can beat you both ways. Talk about those guys for us. Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously the, the big headliner is obviously Micah Matthews, you know, the Division One recruit, you know, two-way guy, you know, or two-sport guy. Like, he, he obviously gets a lot of attention and deserves really so. I mean, he's a he's a generational type of kid. I mean, we don't we don't see very many athletes of his caliber in this area. Um, but with that being said, I mean, Micah Shank is, is a guy at quarterback. I mean, last year he was a bad district offensive player of the year, um, but he, he was primarily known as a running quarterback. He wasn't a guy who really threw it around a lot. Um, he would kind of throw some dump passes and – you know, I think he caught some slack for that, and people would say he, he's not really a quarterback and things like that. Um, and, well, I certainly, you know, I think Michael would be the first to tell you, I think, you know, post-high school, I don't think I don't know that he necessarily is going the quarterback route, but I think he does. he's improved the way he can, he can deliver the ball to his receivers, you know, tremendously from a year ago. And I think that's the biggest difference for them. And then especially when you look at those receivers, you know, outside of Mike Matthews, you know, a guy like Calvin Young, um, he had a, he had a big catch in that Wilson game, and he had another big game this past week against Monticello. Um, he's taken tremendous strides over the years, and he's he, he's kind of went from a guy who was just a defensive back to now suddenly he's a he's a good playmaker at receiver. Um, and, and then they got uh, Joey Amlicker is a, uh, a a district champion hurdler that that came out from football last year, and he's really developed into a good tool. Um, Brandon Pettit. Is, a, is only offensive line, but he's kind of in that tight end, you know, end of the line type role. But he he can you know peel out. And he, we obviously saw how big he was against Wilson. Um, he's just he's a he's a legitimate Division two guy. Um, has a preferred walk on offer from Virginia Tech actually. And so you know they've got some, some some guys who you know can can really play in a lot of different spots. And I think that's what makes them so dangerous. And then I didn't even mention Bo Baylor out of the backfield who we yeah. saw. You know when they give him the ball at the middle, he runs tremendously hard and and has a lot of talent as well. So. I mean, they're they're loaded at the skill positions, and like I said, I just think you know Michael Shank deserves a lot of credit for the improvement he made and his ability to get the ball to those guys effectively, and and, and you know in good spots where they're able to make plays and not really have to do too much more. Um, they basically get the ball and go, and, and it's just made them extremely extremely dangerous. And I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be the the key for any team if they want to stop them, they're gonna have to stop. They find a way to stop all those weapons. Cody, so far this season, uh, again, only three weeks in, but what has been the biggest surprise for you so far this season? I would say, you know, just kind of, I guess, the way the Valley District has kind of emerged is suddenly, you know, having some of the better teams. I think, you know, for years when I've come on with you guys, about, you know, <laughs> the teams that I, Rockhead, down that way when they were in lower classifications keeping some of these guys up here and then i think suddenly now you're starting to see um you know these schools these class three schools up here starting to look more the part of a class three school in a, in a, in a region three c type of team um you know maybe they've recognized you know what it takes to to compete with those seminal district teams now i know that's a long ways off but you know just in terms of the size i think you're seeing bigger kids i think you're seeing more skill players um it seems like the cycle has kind of has kind of returned um, even talking to Wilson's coach, Ryan Bird, last week, he, he said he thought that, you know, when he looks at spots with a TA in those teams, he can kind of see the out, how the, a bunch of the size that they used to have has returned. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as the season goes along, if that, you know, continues. Um, but 
yeah, so far, I mean, when you look at TA and Spotswood, I think those are two really good teams, two playoff teams. And then even Broadway now is off to a two-and-one start with Fort up next on the schedule. Um, you know, I think East Rock is a quality team. I, I don't know that they are necessarily on the level of TA or Spotswood, but I think they're still a You know, good programs up here this year, and it's really kind of a, a breath of fresh air after, you know, not necessarily the best team that we're winning by district finals. Certainly, some good football come out of that league, and in recent seasons, I wouldn't say that, you know, that was necessarily the case. Thanks again for Cody coming on there. I know it's a hard transition here. Cody's, you know, always, always working. He's wearing all those hats. Uh, and he was covering a game here tonight on Monday night up at uh, Elkton. So uh, you, you heard him going in and out there, but we appreciate him fitting him in, fitting us in when he could. Uh, we asked him a last question. It, we didn't, it didn't work. So uh, we had talked about the Virginia Tech game and he was joking about how it was a nine hour game. That it was, and I'll talk more about uh, my experiences at that Tech game uh, this week, uh, but I will do want to talk about the football of it first here in this segment, and uh, whew, we didn't have a running game. Uh, I'll tell you, the 10 minutes I did watch of this game live, it was all Purdue, and they went right down the field on our defense, and uh, so there was plenty to have issue with. I'm actually in a way, the way it was presented to me in, in my day, uh, you know, with a lot of stuff in between the start of the game and the end of the game, I, I was encouraged that things looked better when, when we did get to playing football again than I think it would have looked if we would have continued to play early. I think if we would have continued to play without a rain delay, we would have lost that game by 35. Um, but credit to our coaches, adjusting something, finding some things to do, particularly on the defense. Um, and so I, I'll give credit there, but yeah, we're not good. We're we're not we're not good. I'm and I don't think I've claimed that we're good, but yeah. we're, we're not. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a game I was able to watch uh, almost in its entirety outside of the first few minutes before the lightning delay, um, because it didn't kick off until six fifteen again, and by that time I was back in Waynesboro. Um, I five hours and twenty seven minute delay. Apparently, that's the longest delay in college football history i believe it um but i figured there was a game delayed by a day at some point in time <laughs> so it surprised me that i believe it was like the longest same day or something but no they say it's the longest delay so that that, that kind of did surprise me yeah um but my takeaways from the game were uh we were down seven nothing when we started watching and then Purdue ran right down the field scored again and i was like uh-oh and the offense really struggled, eventually started to put some points on the board. And then what I can only describe as like just modern day Virginia Tech happened, where the offense just stops moving the ball. Grant Wells all of a sudden becomes highly inaccurate with passes and the ball flies everywhere but to the receiver and some of it is he's under pressure and he's getting sacked and he's con he's running for his life. Some of it is he just isn't very good. Um, he's okay. And like they, they ended up on the last drive of the game, which I thought odd timing, but also like the game is in reach. It's an important drive. 
let's try to get a spark after like, I don't know what felt like an entire, you know, seven straight drives of three and outs. It was probably only like three, but it, there was a spark in drones. Two for seven's not great. Um, there was, there was one pass where I was like, Ooh, it would have been nice to have that one. Um, but he completed some passes that were tough throws that I, I had already seen Wells not complete. I had seen, he has the ability to run the ball a little bit better than Wells does, which is, I think when you have a bad offensive line is a great weapon to add to your quarterback. Uh, and honestly, before his big run there at the end, Virginia tech would have had negative two rushing yards for the game. So that has got to be better. Uh, Purdue is not good enough to hold you to negative two rushing yards. Like it, they're just not. And um, the, the thing with that I was hearing today was that Wells was hurt in the second half. And I didn't know if I really got that from the broadcast. I know he, you know, had a little bit of limp in his step or something, but like, it didn't seem like always oh, hurt. And so what they're saying today, what I was listening to is like, Oh, Wells probably shouldn't even play in like a good portion of the second half. And then why is he in? Like, and why is he in? He's not like, I don't care what's happened. He's they're talking about a two quarterback system. If that's just complete made up, there was still no separation between them and camp. It's like, they were still, hold them at the same level. Then like, if he is down any, then we got to have the fresh guy in a hundred percent. I think that. And so like this week, if Wells is in a boot today and all that, then then we need to be playing it for drones to play. And like, I think it's okay to just on Monday say, this is our quarterback this week. Like I am fine with that. And then say like, Wells Wells isn't losing his job, but we're moving ahead as drones is our guy. We need Wells to be healthy, to be on the field. And like, I don't see what's wrong with that. And, like, let's just see if it, that little bit of spark that we saw at the end of that game. I'm not saying it worked. It, you know, it didn't. It didn't work. But there was a little bit of excitement from that. Might have been helpful because with Purdue kind of in a prevent defense. I don't care. Let's try something different in this game to get our offense moving. I, I don't care. Like, let's just yeah. do it. Let's, let's not overthink this. Let's, let's use a spark. Let's use a guy that you keep telling us is just a hair behind Wells at full strength instead of trying to trot Wells out there and it won't be a trot. It'll be, you know, a limp. So it, we got to do it. And Rutgers defense, Rutgers run defense is great. Now they haven't played anybody. They played temple and Northwestern, but still, I'm not sure our run offense great. is better than temple and Northwestern right now. Like yeah, that's the problem. That's exactly where I was getting to. Like, like I'm very pessimistic about this game. Very pessimistic against freaking Rutgers. I mean, Tootin, had some nice catches and I think Tootin had some nice runs. It was mainly great walls getting sacked, which brought us to negative yeah. rushing yards. Um, but still, we and every time Malachi Thomas touched the ball, every time Malachi Thomas touched the ball, it felt like he would get to the line of scrimmage and somebody would eat him. And I was like, okay, we do love to sidestep at the line of scrimmage. Don't we? I'm just also just to sidebar for a quick second. If Tootin, if his nickname is in the Pharaoh, Missed opportunity. I was like darn tootin every time he ran. Oh no, I was tootin common every time. I was like, dude, the Pharaoh tootin common. Give him the ball. <laughs> um, keep throwing it to him. It's the only guy Great Wells knows how to. We hit. got options. We have options there. We need we need more success so we can really use those. <laughs> I guess that helps, right? Um, but it's also I I think that the reason they haven't done that, Leland, is kind of this fear, like Barber talked about when we had him on before the season the transfer portal, right? And, and yeah. you don't want guys to... Honestly, I'm more worried about drones leaving than Wells. If Wells is like, yeah. hey, I I don't 
think I'm being respected, I'm going to hit the portal. I'm be like, cool, dude. Like, it just wasn't working. Like, that's fine. It's okay. I, I, I mean, Grant, he just can't piece positives together. I, I just want to, I need to review. Our that's the thing, right? Quarterback. Cause like, I don't think the answer is in the room. So I just, I, I want to know. That's the other thing. I, I almost, and that's why I, unlike when I would scream at Fuente for not playing Hinden Hooker over uh, Ryan Willis or yes. whoever was there. Um, I've tried to black those names Burmeister out. Burmeister and. Yeah, I try to black them out so I can move on with my life. But I, I don't think that. Oh, yeah. Blumrick. Yeah, I forgot about, <laughs> forgot about him. Um, uh, there's the talent gap isn't there, right? I, I do think it's. You could tell me. You could. They could switch jersey numbers. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> I could believe it. Like, it's, I, I don't know. <sighs> Drones just is, he's a little more mobile. That's why I would go with him, because I prefer my quarterbacks mobile, especially when our offensive line is what it is. It's the way of the game. And in, in, in defensive wells, like, there was a few plays where, like, Purdue is sending a four or a three-man rush, and in no time at all, the defensive line is in the backfield. And you're watching the replay, and one of the offensive linemen is just patty cake, patty cake, Baker's man. And the guy is, except he's playing patty cake by himself after a while because the defensive lineman has already rushed the quarterback. And I'm just like, this is, I mean, there are turnstiles that don't move that fast. Like, come on. And it's, it's frustrating. I, I hope they beat Rutgers. Uh, I think Mike Barber was very accurate when he said, you could tell me they beat, they blow Rutgers out. And I'd be like, yeah. And you could tell me Rutgers controls the game. And I'd be like, yeah, like I just, nothing surprises me with this Virginia tech team anymore. I I just don't think they're very good. Yeah. Um, how about the game you were at? I went to JMU UVA in Charlottesville. Yeah. Um, I also didn't stay till the end because there was a lightning delay there. And, um, the person I was with, uh, wanted to leave, so we left. Um, and that's how it goes sometimes. We did listen to the comeback on the radio, which was great. Uh, and I will say this. It's a good thing that comeback happened because there was a moment in this at the start of the second half, and honestly, the moment I think was in the first half. JMU starts the game up 14-0. We get the ball, first drive, go down the field, score a touchdown. I had taken a picture while we were lining up for the touchdown play. Posts on social media, T touchdown Dukes ball game. Um, <laughs> and then UVA goes three and out. We block the punt, recover it in the end zone, go up 14 nothing. And I'm like, man, this is going to be a blowout. This is awesome. UVA scores. We go down the field, get a field goal. We're up 17 7. Stop UVA again. Um, and there's a moment for us where we have a fourth. I want to say it was a fourth and five. And we were 40, 35 or 40 yard line. It was the area that's too long for us to kick a field goal and way too short for us to kick a punt. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you got to go for it. Like I, I, and the offense is out there. I'm loving it. Um, But they were just out there to try to draw UVA off sides. We take a delay a game penalty. And I was like, I want to done that because you're still too close to punt it. We do decide to punt. And it's a touchback. And I'm like, all right, we gained 20 yards. I don't know if that's going to make or break this drive. Um, And from that moment on, UVA started to, like, have some confidence. And 
score. And to start the second half, the first play of the second half is a 75-yard touchdown pass. And I I joked with you, I was like, the toughest decision the UVA quarterback had was which guy did he want to score the touchdown? Because two guys were streaking down the field wide open, and our safety was like, well, if I stand in the middle of them, I cover none of them. So let's do that. And... I mean, I made the joke with you. I joked with my brother, my uncle, who was sitting at the game with me. I joked with him that our safeties were going to star on a reboot of ABC's hit show, Lost. Like, they they were just nowhere to be found. It was that play. There were other plays where UVA would throw the ball deep, and it was just like, what are we doing? Like, this is awful. And, in fact... I will say this, uh, if it, I don't think if, if there hadn't been that lightning delay, JMU would have lost that game. The lightning delay gave you, JMU another chance to go in, regroup, figure stuff out, and for whatever reason, UVA just was not ready coming out of that, coming out of that other lightning delay because we go right down the field, 80 yards, touchdown. UVA gets the ball. They don't move it. We get the ball back. We go down the field, score a touchdown, and then it's UVA needs a field goal to win the game. Fourth and forever, like fourth and 20, I yeah. think it was. And I was on the radio for this one. I was listening to the radio for this too. Okay, and if you were listening to the radio, you'll yes. also – play-by-play guy for UVA sold the hell out of that play because I was screaming. He has him. He has him. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got him. He's got – I was like, oh, bleepity bleep, you bleeping exactly. safeties, yeah. you bleeping suck. Get the bleep out of Harrisonburg. Don't even take them back on the bus. Make them walk in a thunderstorm. And then I hear the quarterback go, oh, he overthrows him. And I was like, oh. Or the radio guy goes, oh, he over, he missed him. He overthrew yeah. him. And I was like, oh, dodged a bullet there. Like, woo. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I had the same emotion as you. And then I pressed send to call my wife. The funny thing about my wife, you talk about this. I'll talk about my experience in the tech game. You talked about leaving when you did at that game. I saw that moment on the TV of, oh, they're going in delay. And I was, I was calling her, and I was like, you you should just go on. You're like, the way this game's going, but you should go on. She's like, I'm in Waynesboro. And I was like, you are awesome. Like, you are <laughs> on top of this. Like, she wasn't – she had the two of my kids with her, so she wasn't messing around with uh, <laughs> potential rain on them. So that was good. Um, yeah, so Tech has records next week. I uh, Here we go. JMU at Troy uh, this week on NFL Network, 7 p.m., UVA Friday night uh, at Maryland. Uh, that's that's another dangerous one there for those Wahoos. What surprised you from Saturday? You know, we we saw our local games. We got to go to some games. Some. Uh, <laughs> what surprised you from Saturday in college football? Uh, that my Pac-12 champion Utah Utes barely beat Baylor. I yeah. that's concerning. That was a surprise. I, every time I saw that score update, I was really, really surprised. Um, mine was Texas dominating. Uh, so that was my lock. I never really got to a um, dog for the week last week. I would have, uh, I agreed with your Tulane and finding the different one was my problem. I bet money on Tulane. So that surprised me. But Texas just getting dominated. If Texas wins against Alabama, okay. Like, 
wow, then Texas may be a little bit better than I thought. But, like, just just the way they won that game really kind of surprised me. Uh, you know, I said positive things about Alabama's quarterback last week. He has skill set. He has the skill set I thought he had, and, he, and he's good. It's just he's young, and, and he hadn't had that game experience. And so, um, you know, they'll whip him into shape or they'll get next guy up. But I, I still like his skill set. He just made some terrible, terrible, terrible plays in that game. So it wasn't good. Um, and it makes me happy because I don't like Bama. Uh, but, yeah, good for Texas. I mean, I mean, I mean everybody's talking about Arch Manning being there and everything, and, and that quarterback played great. And it was a gritty, good performance, and that's, that's the way you want to win, man, in college football. You just want that emotion and those big plays and this toughing through it and knocking down Bama. That's what you want. So I, I was surprised by it, but, you know, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, I knew Quinn at Ewers was going to have Texas in that game. That's why when you took right. – that is your lock with that spread being over one score. I was like, ooh, I don't know. if Unless Quinn Ewers gets hurt, and even last year when he got hurt, Bama barely won that game in Texas. Um, yeah. Quinn Ewers had a I, great – I they snuck up on him last year. I didn't think they would this year. They they didn't sneak. They kicked the door in. Yeah, <laughs> Quinn Ewers is great. Quinn Ewers made a lot of phenomenal throws, just hitting yeah. receivers right where the ball needed to be, a lot of perfect throws. In fact, knowing that they have Quinn Ewers and then Arch Manning as their backup – that was one of those moments where, like, my uncle and I are sitting there watching that game going, and we don't have one. Um, but Well, at, at Tech, we actually saw one. Uh, that's what Purdue's quarterback was. He was the backup to Ewers last year. Yeah. That, that's that guy. So we saw one in Lane Stadium this week. It now, he wasn't nice – I didn't one. leave that game thinking he was amazing either. He made some good throws, but there yeah, were some throws he made. Plays. Early, he was like 8 for 11 on the, what I saw live. Yeah, it yeah. was very impressive. But uh, after that, I think we adjusted to him well. But, yeah, no, I, I still take that over what we got. Oh, sure. You agree. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, 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 did, I did say last week when you were saying this kid's legit and he's the real deal and Alabama's going to be great, I was like, uh, let's see what he doesn't play Middle Tennessee yeah. State. And I think that was – kind of what that was a little bit he's still very very good on his feet he does have a nice deep ball but it's that short to intermediate stuff it's when he has to make a decision on which window do I throw it in yikes and sometimes the ball sails or is behind people and that's where he gets in trouble I think it's easier for for me to be brainwashed by what Bama is and say Sure. Okay, yeah, they played a bad opponent, but I, I like the skill set. I like the the dynamic of what he has in the game. And this is the guy that Pete, uh, then Nick Saban is saying is the best one in the locker room to play. So, like, I have some. Oh, I'm not doubting that that's not that. his best option. Yeah. 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 Well, when you look at some of his previous good options, when they have them all three in a photo at an NFL game yesterday with Tua and Hertz and uh, the kid in New England, like, Mac yeah, Jones. They, they've had yeah. a good little run here. So uh, maybe that stopped. Um, what did you see coming as a theme in all my football talk this week? What did you see coming this week that happened? That Colorado was going to thump Nebraska. And I don't know why yeah. people got surprised by that. Like people were like, oh man, they beat Nebraska. Like the- Colorado is legit. They beat Nebraska. I'm like, I don't know. This doesn't help that. Like argument, no. that's <laughs> when I was like, do people think Tom Osborne is still coaching Nebraska? Like this is not <laughs> that Nebraska. Like this, that was not surprising. And by the way, if they beat Colorado state, also not surprising because Colorado oh. State also sucks. I'm looking at the week four game. If he beats Oregon, I, all doubts are put to bed. Dion's legit. Virginia Tech should have hired Dion. Um, whatever you want to say. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I still don't want that. That's gonna. I still don't want that. <laughs> that's gonna be what breaks college football because if Dion does this in one year, if he's able to beat a team like Oregon and, and do the yeah. do this kind of turnaround in one year, all of a sudden, the, hey, we need time to build the program. You know, get my guys in. Blah blah blah. All of a sudden, that carries a lot less water because we were gonna be like, well, Dion did it in one year. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You need this much time. Matt- the guy he beat this this week, Rule, there in Nebraska, like his his clock will lose a year or two just from that. Uh, if Dion's able to do that, the week after that they, they have USC, and so if if he's it's back to back weeks, game, yeah. My goodness, my goodness. Um, what I saw coming, Miami. I don't know if I talked about the, this out loud. I think I developed it more at the end of the week. I really started having faith that Miami was going to beat uh, Texas A and M because of my lack in Texas A and M. It wasn't as much Miami. I know you have decent general confidence in Miami. And I think I argued against that at one point for a week. I was with you because more so Texas A&M, I have no faith in them. I don't think they can win big games. And if somehow they back into winning a big game, they're not going to win too. I didn't have any faith in them beating Miami. They did not. They were behind in that game the whole time. Miami had a lot of huge plays. Uh, so I liked seeing that. And, but I did see that coming. I was, I was, I, I had money in that. My problem was I, all my parlays that had that had other problems. So what are you looking forward to this week in college football? Uh, I want to go back to the Miami game for a second before I move on. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I didn't think you watched it. I didn't get to watch a lot of it, uh, but I did see the highlights. Okay. And, and I, I actually yeah. didn't think Miami was going to win that game. So I was, that was another one that kind of surprised me because oh, I, wow. I had seen what Texas A&M did up to that game. And it, mm-hmm. it seemed to me like, Oh, okay. Now that Jimbo Fisher's not calling the plays anymore, this offense all of a sudden looks like it's, you know, competent. Um, and so I, I did worry about that. Now Miami also had an explosion of offense, which is great uh, because the ACC needed bright spots this week. They didn't have a lot of them. Um, that was one, so that was good. Um, and I mean, honestly, for the ACC, like that again, they're going to need just. Win as many wins as they can get. This was a bad week for the SEC. Let's be honest. Bama gets handled. Texas A&M loses. Uh-oh. Like, Deion stealing their thunder. I Don't get me wrong. I would love nothing more than for this to be the year the SEC just poops the bed. I still think Georgia probably wins the national championship. But... Oh. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if this was. It'd be nice if it wasn't the SEC or Big Ten. It with what, what all's happened in the last year. If it was year, someone so from the Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, or ACC, it would be hilarious if the Pac Twelve won. It ain't gonna be the Well, I guess Florida State has. A Florida shot, State. But... Florida State's legit, man. You need to get on yeah, Florida State. Um, I was. I was. Ooh, I was with them the first week. Don't tell me where I need to be. Yeah, you need to be on Florida <laughs> State. Um, you've you've doubted. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm looking forward to. And some of it can be uh, our, our locks and dogs. Yeah. Can I just skip to that? Cause I, nothing. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm at a wedding this weekend. So I am like trying to temper my looking forward to, cause every weekend I just build to what I'm looking forward to on Saturday. And like this week, I'm going to watch minimal college football. So I'm like, what a great week to watch minimal college football. There's just not that many good games in my opinion. Yeah, I still rather, I mean, I, 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 I the wedding I'm going to do happy, good. This is a guy, that Tennessee, Florida, in the summer. needed to get married in the summer, so. Tennessee, Florida, I guess. Cause it's a rivalry. Yeah. So you, 
you, you got a, is that your lock? That is my lock. Um, I guess that's also the one I'm looking forward to. Um, but I think the volunteers are going to beat the Gators. So that's my lock. Tennessee yeah. minus six and a half. My lock is UNC minus seven and a half. Um, they'll against do that. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep. Against a big 10 opponent. And then my dog is the BYU team up there. I think they will uh, at least be within nine and a half and have a good opportunity to win that game. Do you remember who BYU plays? BYU. I did when I wrote it down. I, did, I wrote it. I didn't write it in the right spot. What was use your dog? My dog is Indiana plus 10 against Louisville. Um, it's at Indiana. I think they'll at least keep it within 10. Um, and it's the ACC, so maybe they can beat them. That would be nice. It could be a bad week for the ACC if Indiana wins and Rutgers wins. Um, <laughs> yeah. That would be bad. Maryland. <laughs> I mean, that team's already bad, but I think Maryland's going to win that one. Oh, the BYU Sweet. game is BYU Maryland. No, 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 no. Maryland and UVA play is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah, that one that's too. That's on Friday night. I think uh yeah, BYU's I think I'll say this. I think UVA's quarterback going back to that game, uh Where's he out Colin of? Drea. He's a freshman, I think. Where's um, he out of uh high school? I don't know. I didn't look it up. Um <laughs> BYU but, plays Arkansas. It's going to be a bad week for the SEC. That's what I'm banking on. I love it. Um, he he said in the post game that, you know, he had a good game, but when the starter is healthy, they're going to go back to the starter. You don't lose your job because of injury. And I was like, I, I don't know. Talk to Drew Bledsoe about it. Like, of course you can <laughs> lose your job as a starter due to injury. Drew Bledsoe's done it twice. Like, you could. He's out of Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida, Lakewood. High school. I that kid looked good to me. Now I know I said our secondary was shaky uh, at best, um, but he was hitting them for the most part. I know he makes the overthrow in the last play of the game, and that's maybe a heartbreaker. But for the most part, he wasn't the reason they didn't win against JMU. Um, so I thought that was a bizarre answer. I think both programs in the state of Virginia, honestly. Uh, and really, if you count JMU, three programs in the state of Virginia uh, have had quarterback controversies where I think the guy who started the season probably shouldn't play any more games. Um, so I we'll see what happens if UVA has a bad game against Maryland. Maybe that decision gets reversed. Um, but we'll see. Again, we'll see what happens with Tech and Wells too. But so I have a different category for college football than I have the other football categories. What do I think is messed up? Yeah. I'm prepared for this with um, after I watched the end of the UNC Appy state game, I had it on while it was on um, during the tech game, but I watched the end full on. And as soon as they get done, they're interviewing Mac Brown. They won 44, 34 in overtime with the overtime touchdown or it was 40 to 34, 40. wasn't it? 40 to 34. Yeah. Um, Mac Brown goes, I'm glad we don't have to play them anymore. And immediately, I mean, I'm not a big Mac Brown guy anyway, but like, come on. Those two games have been super the last two years. UNC's won them both. And I, I don't know, like, what are you here for? You're not here to compete. You're not here to, you know, play Happy State and have to try to win. Like, I hate that attitude. And that's how they schedule games is like, 
oh, this team will challenge me. We don't want them on the schedule anymore. Like, I hate that across the board in high school and college football of being scared to play anybody. And so I hate that Mac Brown buys into that with right after the game, quote, I'm glad we don't have to play them anymore. I just absolutely hate it. They should be playing them every year. Like, Appy State shouldn't be begging teams in, in Carolina to play them. They should get NC State and ECU and Duke and Wake Forest and UNC. They should all be playing each other all the time. And some of those are in conference, so that's fine. But, like, ECU and Appy State and fill in the blanks that I'm not thinking about in the town in the state of North Carolina, they should be playing all the time. It's just like Virginia schools should be playing JMU and fine. Let's play Liberty. We've been playing ODU and I don't like losing any of them, but we have, but we still should be playing them. And in basketball, same thing. I just, I don't get it. Why are we scared of losing? Like, just let's play. If you can't yeah. beat App State, then you ain't winning the national champion. You're going to get beat by other teams too. Might as well know it early. Let's go. Yeah. Might as well put them in the playoff. Play them in the regular season. Don't well, but that's the thing, Leland. Again, make a forced playoff for this to happen. No, you should be you. That's why you wouldn't be as thirsty for everybody having a chance if people weren't scared to play in San Jose State in the regular season. But that's my point, right? Like they won't play them, and then when that team has a good season, they're like, "Oh, well, they didn't play anybody," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, because you won't play them. North Carolina won't play App State." Stupid. They need to fix this whole damn thing. All right. Did anything piss you off like that in, in college football, or are we moving on to NFL? Uh, I, I did have a topic, but I want to see that play out. There was a statement. I don't think the statement read well. Uh, it's the Mel Tucker situation. Uh, uh, that's not going to be great. That's not going to be good. That That is a situation that is bad for everyone involved. It. <sighs> I sent it to you because Michigan State announced, I believe it's a, a, just a suspension right now while they investigate, um, and there's a trial set. October, beginning of October. Um, uh, allegedly, Mel Tucker sexually harassed a survivor of sexual violence. Um, One of if, some of fame, or not fame, but like of high standing of, and, and yeah, yeah. being spoken out. Yeah. And was speaking at Michigan State because of the other sex crimes that have gone on at Michigan state. Um, which as I said to you of all places, like yeah. what are you, it shouldn't happen yeah, anywhere, but like, what are you doing? And uh, I was not surprised to see Michigan state come out quickly with a response to this because of that. Like Michigan state is not going to open themselves up to another lawsuit. Um, you can't, there's no gray area up there. Like you just, yep. everything. It's a zero tolerance policy, right? Like, you do not do this. Um, and so it's not good. Uh, he released nope. a statement today claiming his innocence, saying it was mutual and she was being flirtatious and, you know, the usual things you hear in this kind of story. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Hey, on that note, and I know it's not uh, American football, but that Spain dude uh, is out. My my optimism yeah. won out. I was optimistic. You told me I was stooped to be op- optimistic at one point. Hey, he's out. Yep. I, like I was happy to see it. I mean, it, it took long soccer, enough, right? but I was hey, happy. Using the words there. Spain women's soccer. The bad dude is gone. 
Rubiales, the former Spanish FA president, um, that was men's and women's. That's the, the Spanish FA is what the U.S. Soccer Federation is here. Um, resigned, and yeah, it took way too long. But as I as I said to you, justice was served. So I like it. Yep. All right, uh, NFL. What surprised you from Saturday or, or for the weekend of NFL? From Sunday. Um, yeah, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. Saturday, Thursday, Saturday. Sunday night there was something surprising, but we'll both come to that here in a minute. Yeah. What, what surprised you? <laughs> um, that the New York Giants just absolutely were not ready for football. No, they were not. That my brother, uh, his girlfriend is a Giants fan, and we have lovingly dubbed it the brindle bowl every time the cowboys and giants play and so before the game you know in our group text we're texting happy brindle bowl and he's like yeah we're because it's usually a quiet affair over here like usually we both just sit and watch the tv in silence because the other one doesn't want to make the other one mad and uh there was a point where my brother we texted uh my brother and we're like how's it going over there and he goes she already has her headphones on. He goes, I'm just grinning. And she looked over at me and said, shut up. <laughs> and so it was, um, it was a blowout. But whew, here's the thing. You, you talking about for being under center and it was working. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they went to shotgun and it just stopped working. The first drive, the Giants go all the way down the field running the ball. And then... The Giants are like, you know what? Let's air it out. This Cowboys pass rush and secondary is one of the best in the NFL. Let's throw it. <laughs> and they paid the price. And then the next oh, drive, yeah. the next drive, they're just like, we're just going to throw it from now on. And it was just like, a, it was awful. I mean, it was like everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Giants. And I was just like, holy crap. And, you know, the group text, my one friend was like, oh, I took Giants plus three and a half at the start. And then he's like, the live is 18 and a half. And I was like, I wouldn't. And he didn't. And then later he goes, Giants are plus 30 and a half. And I was like, they could tell me Giants plus 35 and a half. And I wouldn't touch it. And <laughs> 35 and a half also would not have covered. Like, yeah. 40 to nothing is the worst beatdown of the New York football Giants, I think, ever. Um, but definitely in a season opener. It was, it was something. Good thing they paid Daniel Jones. Yeah, they they locked him up. Uh, I the bigger blowout of uh, surprise or bigger the big blowout um, that was surprising in the afternoon that luckily has kind of been overshadowed by the Giants. Um, my Steelers just cut rolled at home against the 49ers flying across the country for a one o'clock game, which historically uh, teams struggle with. Uh, 49ers look like the Super Bowl, you know, contender that they are. And the Steelers did not look like a playoff contender with that effort. Um, so I was disappointed in that, you know, that being my team, especially. Um, but a lot of people were surprised about that over the whole sport. So I, I didn't like that. I didn't see much of it because uh, I had red zone issues in the first half. And then by the time it got to the second half and I did have red zone, they weren't they weren't going to that game anymore. So, uh, yeah, that's, that was my surprise. What, uh, yeah, that I know I was joking with you and uh, Rob Ron about that on Sunday and 
you know, can't spell picket without pick. And uh, he did not have a good game. Um, no. You could have said the Steelers are going to lose this game. And I've been like, yeah, probably. But like you said, I think it was the the fashion in which they lost that yeah. I was like, I mean, as a Ravens fan, I was like, I love it. Um, this is everything I wanted it to be. And uh, because, yes, do the 49ers have a great defense and a great offense? Yes. But that Steelers defense that we have heard time and time again is getting better, is getting better. Kenny Pickett's the real deal. He's going to play better. He's going to play better. Some of those passes that Pickett was throwing, I was just like, that. you can't do that. Like, that's basic. Yeah. But Yes, the 49ers defense is good, but it's not that good. And then the Steelers defense got erased. I mean, they were just, it felt like every time the 49ers touched the ball, they were going to the end zone. And I was just like, oof. Yeah. Uh, what did you see coming this weekend? Man, I've got two I could put here. Um, you got? I, I saw the Jags beating the Colts pretty handily. Um, and I saw the Ravens kind of, it was a little bit tighter early on than I thought it was going to be. But then by the end of the game, they were in control and beat the Houston Texans like they should have. Oh, that's the NFL, though. I mean, that's that's the NFL. Um, I Oh, another one. Here's a third one for you because it's not one that you have here. Um, the Miami Dolphins beating the Chargers. I told you the Miami Dolphins are good. Tua, when <laughs> he is... That was a tight one. Tua, when he is healthy, <laughs> when he is healthy, Tua is great. When he gets hurt, which is last year was pretty often, that's when he has trouble. But when he's healthy, that dude can sling it. And some of it has to do with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle being two attack options, which makes anybody look great. But he's got him, and he played. He he outdueled Justin Herbert, and it was a big win for the Miami Dolphins. I think they're going to be able to ride that into a successful season, and um, especially given what we saw Monday night. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, uh, depending on how long he's out, Dolphins could really be in a good spot. Yeah. I want to come back to that point here in a minute. I just want to wrap up with that. But uh, what did I see coming? I saw the Lions beat the Chiefs, put my money where the mouth, my mouth was. I didn't talk about this last week on the podcast, but uh, I had positive stuff about the Lions and making the playoffs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I said the Chiefs would not win the Super Bowl. Well, that first game just kind of came a preview of uh, my my line of thinking. Lions sneak it out of there, but they get it. That's a bigger win than it is bad for the Chiefs. Like the Lions can really use that to to motivate, you know, build up confidence. Chiefs, they'll be all right. Uh, I am most looking forward to this week. I when I look down through the lineup, I wrote Chiefs Jags. I think that's gonna be a solid game. It's a playoff rematch from last year. Um, you know, I I think it'll be an interesting game uh, at a one o'clock on Sunday. So I'm I'm interested to see that. I'll probably miss it. But I'm interested to uh, see what comes from that. The other game I wrote here, though, like possibly handing it to you, was Jets-Cowboys. Uh, it's less interesting now uh, with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. And uh, uh, Achilles is what they're saying on um, on the Twitter here, or X, or you know whatever they want to call it. Yeah, I wouldn't have been super pumped about that game anyway. Um, just because I think... <sighs> Even with Aaron Rodgers... Maybe it's a good game, but I'm looking forward more to that Ravens-Bengals game because, for me, I want to see the Ravens play someone not named the Houston Texans because even though we won that game handily, Lamar didn't have a good game, and he's got to play better against the Bengals. And the Bengals did not have a good game. 
The Bengals looked oh, they had a, a bad game, yeah. awful against Cleveland. I know the weather was bad, but again, that was a game kind of like um, what we were talking about with Kenny Pickett and like some of those throws you can't make. I thought last year the Bengals were going to take a step back and Joe Burrow was going to come back to reality, and, and that didn't happen last year necessarily. Um, but this that first game, I was like, yo, that is that is Joe Burrow not doing the right decisions, Joe and the Cincinnati Bengals not moving the ball. And because they 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 lost that game and it had nothing to do with the Cleveland Browns offense. Deshaun Watson, frankly, was awful. I mean, he was he was skipping passes to wide receivers and on throws that I was like, I didn't see that on Saturday. Like, that's not NFL caliber right there. So yeah. that's that's I'm hoping what we see is the Ravens offense play a little bit better, get the touchdown. Say Flowers had a pretty good game. I'm hoping he continues to build on that this season and, and we beat the Bengals. That's the game. Now, obviously, being a Ravens fan, I'm going to look pay attention to it more anyway. But I think that's also one of the better games, especially in that one o'clock window. Mm. All right, uh, I think it's time for the D block, and I'm going to kick it off with a review of my Saturday, just to get it off my chest. And it's going to it's going to end with a with a rant. So prepare yourself. Um. I went to tech. It was months in the making. I had, uh, you know, a Purdue grad in, in business that I deal with. So I was like, he's not that into football, but enough. It's like, Nick, I'm, te- you know, we'll go down to the game. Let's go do this. You know, let's put our, put our heads together and get going to the game. But I did most of the planning. I did the driving, um, you know, it's my home turf. So, you know, I was hosting is what I felt like. Um, got down there, had a nice tailgate, Got in the stadium, convinced people not to wear jackets because of the weather report at 10 a.m. Just seemed so much better than it did the day before. And, you know, no rain till six is what they're saying. Um, <laughs> just, I don't I, I could easily go be a meteorologist right now because they could just say whatever. Um, game starts. The, you know, or it was weird. There was a delay to start the game at 1130. They, you know, kicked us out of the stadium. We went down there until right after noon. So they started 20 minutes late. It wasn't the normal entrance for Virginia Tech. It wasn't inner Sandman with them coming out of the tunnel. Um, they never had played it. They, you know, did some of the buildup, but then they had a coin toss. And then as the players were lining up to kick the ball off, that's when they played inner Sandman. They timed it pretty well, but it felt more like the beginning of a basketball game where with tip off yeah. than it did for uh, a football game. So it wasn't as good. And I was kind of, you know, you know, I'm trying there, kind of putting on the show, of, you know, how awesome tech and the atmosphere is. Kind of had to explain how things were different, but that's fine. But then uh, we're standing there and this, you know, we've already had one delay. All of a sudden, coaches come running out. Our coaches go running out. They're meeting in midfield. And the guy behind me is like, oh, it's the headsets. Their headsets are out. I know that's what it is. I was like, we need to start walking to the tunnel because they're delaying this game for weather. Like no doubt we had already seen lightning off in the distance out, yeah. you know, out the corner of the stadium. I was like, this guy's an idiot. I'm not listening to him. Let's start walking down the stairs. Good thing we did. We walked down the stairs. We were a little bit ahead of people. We got a little bit separated doing that. But by time we got in, it was starting to spit rain. And by the time we were undercover, it was absolutely pouring. Um, people I know, we're comparing it to the Georgia Tech 
game that was never was back in 2001 when Lee Corso's car got hit by lightning. They said this was just a much worse situation, much more, much worse ordeal than that ever was. So we stand underneath the stadium for two and a half hours. And a problem that we have while sitting in standing, sitting in the stands on a normal day is the same problem we faced here. And that is no freaking cell phone service in Lane Stadium during these games. I'm not saying it's the only place this happens. I know the same thing happened at uh, Scott Stadium in Charlottesville this weekend. I know people are having issues with their cell phones because I had family there. Why can't we get past this in the year 2023? I understand in 2003 when I'm there, we have that problem, but that's because we're first starting to use internet on our home phones. It's been 20 years, and you go to other games. NFL games don't have this problem. I've asked people that go to NFL games. There, no, you, like they have whole interaction stuff, and you can order uh, uh, concessions from the stands and stuff. And those are ninety thousand seat stadiums. Uh, you know, many of them. Um, I've asked other people at big colleges. I've asked this question before in years past, and it's like, no, we use our phones. It's fine. Why are we having this problem at Virginia Tech? And I know we have it other places. I, I only care about tech. Why is this a problem? It is stupid. Make the cell phones work. You can create a web of Wi-Fi signal right in that area. Like, are they, are they, honestly, at this point, I think they're doing something to hurt it. I think they're doing something to keep you from using your cell phone. Why would you do that? It's safety. If you had everybody's cell phones working right there, you could put out a, a, some kind of emergency alert. You have everybody tell them, hey, have that Virginia Tech app. When you go to the games, that way we can communicate with you about what's going on. Because we're all standing there wondering, what's the weather going to do? How long is this game going to be delayed? All, all the different things. At 2.30, after not knowing anything for two hours, we give up. We're like, even if they bring this back, it is absolutely pouring out here. It won't be anytime soon. What little internet we could conjure up, we eventually got some kind of map. Uh, people were texting us some app. Text could come through, but not internet. Like, how does that make sense? It's all data. We figure out it's not going to be good. We give up. But it shouldn't have been that hard. And they can communicate. And it's a safety. Like, they got to fix it. And so that's my rant. We give up at 2.30. We're headed home. It's 3.15 before we get out of town. I got to take a part off my truck because I made some poor choices on a uh, water-covered road. Uh, you know, turn around, don't drown is a real thing. Uh, we are fine. <laughs> no one, I don't know of anybody that drowned. That's why I make the joke. But mess up my truck a little bit. Fix now. We get on the road. Then we see a text or a Twitter thing that, oh, they're going to announce at 4.30 what's going to happen because it's still freaking pouring. And so then it's like, okay, it's 6.15. But, yeah, we're halfway home. We're not – not even halfway home, but we're going. We're gone. And so we only have, what, a spring game amount of people in the stadium for this? It, less than a spring game, honestly. Um, I'm glad they got to play. But, like, I just – the whole cell phone thing kind of just put me in a bad mood. Like, we can't know anything. You can't even have a chance of knowing anything when it's like this. And, like, even when the game's working right, we should be able to use our cell phones as needed for safety. Yeah. Um, Scott Stadium, there was a little bit of the internet issue. I was able, it's funny you mentioned this. I was able to text my brother and his girlfriend who were sitting on the section above us um, at the start of the game. And then it was just his girlfriend because my brother wasn't able to text. Um, 
and he's like, oh, it's this stupid stadium. You know, it won't, you know, it's the, the internet's not working and it won't let me text. And I was like, well, I'm able to text. We're on the same network. Um, and what we joked with him, because his girlfriend and I both are Android users, so we told him it's Steve Jobs trying to bring him down. Um, but I know you're an Android user too, so I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it. I don't. I'm with you on that. I don't understand how in 2023. And I know they're like, oh, well, it's because everybody's trying to use their phone at the same time. I'm like, okay, well, I mean. Fix it. Do you not plan for that? Like, did you not plan for a stadium full of people maybe using their phones? But like NFL stadium, like it's not this problem everywhere. So, but that's the thing, the right? Like, it's they're prepared. They're prepared. One yes. is they're a, they're a professional sports franchise in the NFL, so they can handle that. Like, they have the budget for it, and maybe that's part of it. But also, it's a college campus. The college has more than 60 like the university itself has more people than that football stadium will hold maybe we have it for that reason like i there's a lot of questions there where i think it's it's an odd thing to just say like oh well you know it's everybody trying to use it all at once and i'm like okay well you don't think like you said just for the safety aspect like you don't think that might be useful to be able to have everyone inside the same be able to easily communicate um I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, when we got, when I got the message of, you know, your situation, I was glad to hear that you were okay, uh, which was good. It was self-inflicted. I'm not going to say like, I mean, I went through one portion of standing water that got me to worse portions. Like, like that's my fault. Like I'm, I'm taking the blame here. I also know I never would have made those decisions with like my family in the car. So like I'm, I'm okay. Um, and the, and the truck's fixed. So we're good. Um, but yeah, self signal terrible. Uh, what dominated my life Saturday? Um, and, and Jeff had reached out to us, and he had asked what I thought of the UVA pregame ceremony, and I didn't get to see it. I thought getting to exit 118B uh, by 10.15 a.m. for a noon kickoff would have been plenty of time, um, but I was wrong. Um, it took me no less than an hour to get from the interstate at 118B to find a parking spot. It actually took a little bit more than an hour to do that, Um and I tell you what, Jefferson Park Baptist Church, shout out. I was, you know what, I thought for sure, I was waiting to find somebody there collecting money to charge parking, and I would have happily paid for it. Um, but I didn't see anybody there. Um, I also created a parking spot, um, and it was fine. Um, the car didn't get towed, which I was a little concerned about on the walk back. Um, but... We walk into the stadium, but the whole time I'm sitting there, and I don't know what the right answer is here, because the police have blocked off the parking lot I was originally trying to get to, and when I saw the Fontaine line that, or somewhere else? Uh, yeah, Fontaine Research Park. So it was full by the time you got there. Yeah, at 10.15, yeah. and by the time I got there, and like I saw the line, I was like, this is going to be full, and it sure enough was. But, and this is where I did have a kind of a gripe with the state police a little bit. In their infinite wisdom, they took what was a two-lane road and made it a one-lane road coming off the interstate. And I was like, guys, is that the best use? Like, maybe, I understand blocking the parking lot for Fontaine Research Park. But maybe we just 
block the parking lot for Fontaine Research Park, people won't turn in there. They'll see that it's blocked, and they'll know that the parking lot is closed, and they'll just keep on driving. Instead, we we take a two lane road or two lane direction, and make it a one lane direction, and now traffic is backed out miles onto the interstate. I may have made the comment with my uncle sitting there like at ten fifteen for a for a noon kickoff. Charlottesville doesn't deserve a winning football team because this is stupid. And they were pumping, you know, this is the 500th game at Scott Stadium. And when I got there, it was like 500 games, and you still don't know how to direct traffic. Like, this is not okay. Um, But we walked to the stadium. We got in. Honestly, getting into the stadium was not a problem. That was efficient. So hats off to UVA there. That was an efficient process. Everything else about Charlottesville was an inefficient process. And some of that is the way the city has been designed, um, which is Uh, no fault of the university. It's Jefferson's fault. Yeah, it's no fault of the university for the way Charlottesville has designed traffic and parking lots and all the other stuff. I mean, I go over there every two years. I I wish we would have touched base about your your travel plans because, yeah, I think – 20 years ago, I tried to go at 10 o'clock for the game, and it was chaos. You just got to get in there earlier. Like, I, I, I guess I should have I should have advised you better. Um, my wife was over there early and, you know, not as into tailgating and stuff like that, but I was just like, you, you got to be in there earlier. So I'm glad I'm glad I had advised her that way. I wish I would have passed that on to other people. But, you know, we're not friends. We're just acquaintances. So. That's true, and this is proof <laughs> that we're not friends, and I'll remember that. Um, but I just, yeah, yeah. I Where mean, did you park? what church Jefferson Park Baptist Church? We were a mile away from the stadium. We walked a mile to the game. And Stephanie went and tailgated at a at it sounds like a similar area. So that's Jefferson that's Park Baptist at. Church. They did have some people tailgating there. Yeah, um, I have to ask. But she was gone from there probably by the time you got there because she actually walked back to the car. Dropped off stuff and then walked to the stadium. But she did. She she said the same thing. Getting in the stadium was pretty easy. Getting she did in have was a security easy. guard talk crap to her on the way out. <laughs> I just wish we could track him down now. Yeah, nobody <laughs> talked crap on the way out. Um, a woman with two kids, and he's like, "Oh, sounds like it's good for you." Yeah, like looking right at her wearing her Jamie stuff, and I was like, "All right, dude." Yeah, right, nobody dude. talked crap to me. Um, and maybe that's because, like, at that point, when I, when we left, it was the lightning delay. And even though JMU was losing, I will say this. You can't take JMU fans anywhere. They were exactly how I remembered from, from school. Like, just <laughs> obnoxious. Like, yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. in the section. I would say, overall, it was probably, like, 30 35% JMU fans at a game. The section we were in was a vast majority of JMU fans. Um, And going inside, like, the concourse area, like, my uncle and I are standing there, and we make the decision, like, all right, he needed to go to the bathroom. He's like, all right, use the bathroom, then we're going to get the heck out of here. Like, because we had looked, and we were like, okay, if they start the game somewhere in the 430 window, Right when that game ends, it's going to be when another storm comes through, and I don't want to walk a mile in a thunderstorm, especially if we don't come back. Now, if I had, if it had just been me and we had come back and won, I wouldn't have minded the walk in the rain. Uh, we, it's funny that that storm happened because, like you, we were like, oh, it's not supposed to rain until 7 o'clock. We're in the clear. Right, um, yeah. 
yeah, the weathermen in Virginia might want to hide some numbers and addresses this this week. Um, but like and change names. But it was we had had the conversation on the way in of like different Virginia Tech games because he went to Tech and lives down there and goes to a bunch of Tech games. Um, all the conversations we had had of like the games where the weather was just heinous. But when Virginia Tech was winning, it was like, yeah, I didn't really mind it when it was snowing. I didn't feel the cold when we were winning during that game. After the game on the walk to the parking lot, I, re- I remember how cold it was. I was like, but during the game, I was like, yeah, we're winning. This is fun. This isn't that bad. And then, like, if Virginia Tech is losing and it's, like, sprinkling and there's any semblance of a breeze, I'm like, oh, this is awful. I hate this. Football's dumb, and so am I for sitting out here in this. Like, but I don't know. I oh the, the worst for me was that Matt Ryan game because we lost that one. That I was, was going to say like, the score. The score will absolutely. Yeah. I had sat in an all day tailgating, and my roommate was like so negative all day. And then we were winning that game against Boston College, and then Matt Ryan brought him back. It was that was tough. But yeah, some of the other games, like I remember, was at Isabel in '03 when A and M was in town on a Thursday night. It was awesome. Every time it started raining harder, we yelled louder. It was. But that's the thing, right? Like, it's totally dependent on the scoreboard. Yeah. Because the JMU game, it rained during that game, too. And let me tell you, it sucked. <laughs> yes, it, did. it was one of the most miserable times I've had in Lane Stadium. <laughs> um, but in the game when they lost to East Carolina and Charlotte, it, was, uh, it felt like it was 100 degrees in that stadium. But when Virginia Tech was winning, I looked at my brother and was like, you know what? It's hot, but we're winning, so it's not that bad. And as soon as that punt got blocked, the, it felt like the heat index went up 20 degrees. And then we had we had um, the lady behind us who was just, you want to shut that off or no? I'm trying to. Okay. I, I mute three times. Um, well, that might be part of it. On, off, on, off. <laughs> but, um. The lady behind us during that game was just willfully uh, ignorant on, we've got two minutes left. And I was like, we could have two quarters left. Sean Glennon is our quarterback. We're not coming back. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> that was, that was rough. Um, but yeah, so, but it, the entire time when he's going in there, we're losing, mind you, going by two scores going into this lightning delay. And there's just a massive, like, J-M-U, J-M-U chant, like, directed at, like, the small pocket of UVA fans in that concourse. (laughs) So then they're screaming UVA, and it's just like a shouting match back and forth. And there's an older gentleman in a JMU shirt just looking over there, shaking his head. And I was like, can't take us anywhere. And he goes, no, you can't. (laughs) And my uncle, just like, when we're walking in, he goes, what is going on? I was like, it's the jersey. It's a Jersey thing. You would get it. <laughs> so on my, what I know that you need to know, I just Twitter messaged you something. So I'll let you grab your phone and look at it. If it was the it's text, a, I saw that. Oh, okay. It was a Twitter message. No, too. No, Twitter. A week or two ago, uh, you were complaining about the uh, Nickelodeon slime game. And oh, I already saw this. Also show the Super Bowl in a slime setting. Cause it's, CBS and they're owned by Viacom and all that. 
And you were like, what's the point? It's stupid. I hate it. And like, I, I, I guess my approach was, I'm not going to watch it, but like, whatever, whatever they think is going to work. And you, I think you were even poo-pooing, like, does this even work? It must. It must be something to it. CBS must have had success in these past games, tying it to what they think kids like to see related to football and, you know, adding effects and visual effects to the screen. Because here comes coming up on October 1st between, and it's a London game too. My goodness. Falcons and Jaguars. And they're turning it into, they're going to have it turn into Pixar's Toy Story. And it's like characters are going to be acting out the game in Andy's room. So I'm, you know, a lot of AI and all that nonsense, digital stuff is going to make the football game look like it's characters from Toy Story. Oh, I didn't get that. I thought characters would be involved in the broadcast, but it's going to, the players are animated was my takeaway when I read it. Oh. I guess there's be other characters around, but the animated players, yes. I, it's just craziness. It's pick, it, like they're taking actual football being played. No, that's one upping it. Real yeah. video and turning it into animation, Pixar animation. I, I'm fine. I, again, I will remain whatever, as long as it's not the way to watch the football game. As long as that, you know, the only way to watch this game isn't on Disney Plus. And that's the way I take in football is, you know, reconfigured animation. Uh, I'm okay with it, but I, I'm telling you, there's going to be more and more of this. If this is happening, there's going to be more of this. So you um, get used to it. Here's the difference. And I, I said, I don't know if it's going to work during the Super Bowl. They haven't done that yet. That hasn't happened yet. They're going to do it. This Super well, Bowl, I think, is like the first one. As soon one. as ABC has their turn at it, as soon as Disney Properties has it, there you go. Yeah, maybe they will. Um, I, I don't mind it for a regular season game. I also don't mind... It doesn't get in your way at the Super Bowl I either. think the London one makes sense even more so because it's a morning game. And what do kids want to do when they get up in the morning? Watch cartoons. Hey, we're going to watch a cartoon football game because you get your cartoons. I get my football. If I had kids, that would be the compromise we're making. Get, like, well, it works out. Crap on the Super Bowl? Like, how does it get in your way? Um, the Super Bowl, way, the reason it's not going to work during the Super Bowl, Leland, is because most people get together for Super Bowl parties. But you don't know the and so, of every family. Like, you don't, okay. like they, might, they might be going after the kids that are not going to be sitting in that family with the room. They're watching their own TV, and they're on Nickelodeon, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is what they're interested in, but it's it, it looks cool with all these graphics, but, and I'm going to sit here. But if the kids it, are at the Super Bowl party. For 10 years from now. Unlike Major League Baseball, they're trying to do something to configure to the younger fan. Okay, what is counterpoint, counterpoint, and listen to the logic behind this. If the kids are interested in the game and they're at the Super Bowl party, they're going to be in the room watching the game. Hey, that's not the kids they're going after. This doesn't, this doesn't hurt the Super Bowl. This doesn't, like, this, they're going after the kids that aren't in the room with everybody else. That's what then they're, they're not going to get them because they're not going to be watching because they're going to be like, I don't want to watch football. Okay, but it must have worked in the past. These games when when there's not a massive get together of people for this massive event that is a it's an it's a nationwide phenomenon. There is one TV in all these houses now in America. I have three in my living room every weekend. Are like we're do you have all three on the same game? The 1980s where there's one. Do you have all three on the same game? But, Leland, like, no, you're not thinking about Super Bowl parties. We're not talking about March Madness. We're not talking about your typical NFL like, Sunday. Why, does it, why do you hate I'm, it? I hate it for the Super Bowl because it doesn't make sense. You're not thinking. You're not listening to what I'm saying. 
You're not listening to I what I am know. telling you. No, you're yeah, not. You're no, you're not. They're you're not running your mouth. You're talk. You're doing this. You're not using these. You're doing this. You're not using I mean, these. Using what I'm saying, Leland, saying is there is a Super Bowl party. That. Yes. Everyone at the Super Bowl party gets together and watch either watches the game or they're off by the side talking about whatever they talk about because they don't care about the game. If kids are interested in the game, they're watching the game. If they're not, they're doing something completely different. So who the hell is watching that? It's not like the other, the other Sundays out of the year where they do the Nickelodeon slime game or whatever, the slime cast, and it's like, okay, you know, we got to entertain the kids here, so we're going to put on the goofy broadcast uh, to keep them interested, and we get the football out of it. No one at a Super Bowl party is going to be like, you know what? Let's do the goofy thing for the kids, and we'll watch the Super Bowl slime cast or whatever. No one is going to do that. No one at the Super Bowl party is going to turn on the main TV to that. But in the playroom where they already have a TV for the kids, they're like, hey, we'll turn it on the Nickelodeon where we're going to experience the same. But I don't think that's going to happen because I think the kids will be in the main room. If they care enough about football, they'll be in the main room watching. I think you're, you're, you're narrowing this to. And these people are just creating a secondary broadcast probably with minimal funds because it's all just graphics on a TV. It seems less – I mean, the slime one seems less than what Toy Story is doing. I just don't get – like, what does it hurt? Like, and, it, and, like, also, kids these days don't care about – I wanted to ban- – can I be honest? I wanted to bankrupt Turner Broadcasting. I want CBS to go out of business because of it for the Super well, Bowl. it's not Turner. That's Viacom. But Oh, Viacom. Uh, they, My bad. Then I want Viacom to go out of business because they did this, like, for the Super they, Bowl. Like, kids these days watch – everything on their tablets and crap. Like that's like a big stated thing and how like kids don't really care about having the shared experience at one time. So I obviously assume like, they you know what, C- you know what CBS tablet. would be better, better served doing putting Paw Patrol on during the Super Bowl instead of the slime I game. Bet you Paw Patrol, I bet you Paw Patrol makes an appearance during the slime game. I don't Nickelodeon think it's a Nickelodeon app. property, so probably not, but Paw Patrol is Nickelodeon. Is it? All right. Well, see, I don't yes. know. Okay. Well, then they would <laughs> be better served. Has three kids and does take it. They would be better served just running Paw Patrol on I Nickelodeon. This is a stupid idea across the board. And it must be working because now there's more of it. But I don't think it's going to work for the Super Bowl better, because uh, of all the reasons I've given you. You don't really have a solid counterpoint that. other than. Watch this TV. Kids, get out of that room over here and watch this TV with the real football. No. I don't, capture. I don't think They're that's a thing. capture as much as they can. And you're like the major league baseball would probably be like, no, we don't want anything different than our sacred game and make sure they're watching it with Joe Buck calling it with Tim McCarver the right way, always for and forever. And then that's where we get to now where kids aren't watching the sport. They're smart. And maybe they're even catching kids that parents aren't watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's a normal su- Sunday evening or Sunday anytime. We're watching uh, the Home Makeover Show, HGTV, but the kid's in there watching Nickelodeon like he always does, but football comes out. Oh, this thing's pretty interesting. All these bright colors are making me interested, but, oh, that guy caught that ball. Wow, that was cool. Like, that's what they're going after. I don't think so. Then then what are they going after if they're not going after that? I think they're going to find out that that's going to get – that's going to be so much lower rated than their other slime – broadcasts or whatever you think the super bowl slime cast will be lower rated than a regular season simulcast yep okay noted all right you have anything else i need to know other than that i want cbs to go to business because they're doing that i don't know probably not 
<laughs> I'll talk about terrible tackling, but at some point, I don't do it this week because I figure we'll see more of that. Uh, Rockbridge County beat Fort Defiance in volleyball tonight. That was the only update I was looking for tonight before we recorded, and I couldn't see it. Now I do. Um, so uh, Rockbridge has swept Fort this year. Uh, but Fort's in 2B. So, all right. Um, make sure you're telling your friends what we're talking about on this podcast. We're talking about a lot of local sports. We talk about the high school football every week, and we plug in with volleyball. We're talking about Tech, JMU, and UVA. We're doing this every week. We're arguing about simulcasts of slime time football, and we have a different opinion. If you're interested well, in look, let it be known. Football. Let it be known for the record. I don't care when it's the regular season because I think that's how you get get them. That, I think that's when it makes sense. Because when it's just when it's just you, right, and your kids, and you're like, hey, I want to see if I can hook them in this way, like that makes sense. But when it's the Super Bowl, and you're getting large groups of people together, that's when it doesn't make sense because it's not going to be on. I think they're acknowledging that they're unlikely to get passionate viewers to switch it to that channel. I think they're betting on the kids finding this themselves. I I I bet you that's their thought. And I think the kids are going to look at it and be like, no, nah, not Paw Patrol. I'm out. I bet you Paw Patrol shows up. You know, these, these companies do. But then as soon as Paw Patrol goes away. Every three years. They get it like on a cycle. They go all out. They show for 12-hour coverage and everything's tied and it's synergy and everything's pointing to the same direction. Like this is just them using more of their platform to get people to the same area. But then as soon as Paw Patrol goes away, the kids are going to be like, this is dumb. Where's Paw Patrol? I don't care about this guy running around with brain damage and, for my entertainment. they're probably not getting that kid anyway. Which they're, is why it's dumb to have it on during the Super Bowl. Because as I said, and this was part of my point that you just blew right through, Whoa, you that kid one, is going to be in the main room watching the Super Bowl because they like football. At, where I watch the Super Bowl, there's – five TVs on it. Like in other cases that has to happen on earth. And one of those being on the Super Bowl with that game on would make sense. You have five TVs all on the Super Bowl where you go to watch the Super Bowl. My parents' house. You've been there. Yeah. I don't, I I don't know, man. Okay. I, I don't know. Where I go, it's just like the people who want to watch the game are in one room and the people who don't are in another room. We have the people that actually care about football upstairs in the best viewing experience and then there's a big tv here and then there's tvs on either side of a wall over here and everybody has it on the same game we're talking about when we come down to grab food it's more commercial and halftime talk but we're up in that room it's more football talk yeah i I, we don't have that i i think i don't think every condition is like mine and i don't think every condition is like yours and i think they're banking on picking up some kids and some conditions that are unlike yours i don't know I, I think it's gonna, like it's I said, just, I think it's, it's gonna be. Experience. I think it's gonna be bad. <laughs> I I I hope. I, don't. I think I think there's already enough uh, enough data from previous. But again, I those aren't. They think it's different. It's different. It's the, the Super Bowl. It's different. I I think even more so. I, I think it helps them. I mean, you got you got. I don't know. All right, that's fine. We'll. I guess we will actually see what it comes with this. We'll see the ratings from that and compare it to a regular season slime, slime time. So, yeah, I, I do think the uh, Pixar one, I am, I might check that one out just because I'm curious on how that's going to work. Like I might have the tablet on the game and then Disney plus or Disney plus on the tablet and the game on the TV probably is how that's going to work. 
and just see how that works. Because I'm, sure I'll see it I'm curious, um, but I'm not gonna watch the whole game on it. Um, oh. And but also, like again, it's a regular season. It's an early morning game. That's probably when your kids are. You're like trying to get them to calm down so you can like wake up, and you're like, great, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> you think at nine thirty? <laughs> okay, that's fine. We're looking at this two different ways. One of us might live with three kids. Uh, make sure you guys are telling your friends what we're doing on here, arguing about things that matter, uh, not politics or the ways of the world. We're arguing about simulcasts of football games on for kids. Uh, Yak, at YaksportsPod is how you interact with us on social media. YaksportsPod at gmail.com is how you email us. Uh, we're available on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Make sure you tell your friends. We'll be back next week. We have a lot to break down with the high school football next week once again, and we look forward to talking to you then. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.